Good morning, and welcome this morning. A beautiful day out there today, I'm telling you. I'm hoping I can just sit around and do nothing inside the house today. But I'll probably be doing something. So, but welcome, we're all glad you could be here. Um, A couple announcements to get us started this morning. Uh, Bible study tonight at 6 p.m. will be in Genesis 48 and 49. We are planning a potluck dinner after church on August 27th to meet provided. Is that the right date? I just have to check my calendar real quick. i got to make sure I'm available. Yes, I'm available. That would be the 27th. Um, I would like to give an announcement about needing a volunteer for the nursery, but that's already been filled, so you guys took too long to volunteer. It's already been taken. Um, and also, a sign-up sheet is on the back table for anyone who is willing to volunteer a couple Saturdays a year for the local food pantry. That's not a typo. It says a couple Saturdays a year. Now, depending on how you look at a couple, it could be anywhere from 2 to 12. But I think it's only a couple. And that is at the food pantry in Cisna Park, um, in case you are curious. Okay, are there any more announcements that aren't already in the bulletin? Are there any prayer requests that are not already listed? Very well. Good morning. Let's sing together this morning. We're going to start with a hymn. Um, This hymn is called, When Morning Gilds the Sky. And you may be familiar with it, you may not. And we don't use that word gild every day in all of our language. But uh, when you wake up in the morning and you look out the window and you see that beautiful sunrise and that gold going across the sky as the sun's coming up, And if you're a Christian today, doesn't that just swell your heart and make you think about the God who created all of that? That's what this song is all about. When morning gilds the sky, when the day goes through, as I'm looking at creation and all the things around me, it's what an opportunity to worship God. And as we've gathered here together today, let's all stand and let's sing together this song, 110 in the hymnal, if you need it. 110, when morning gilds the sky, may Jesus Christ be praised. Comfort still is this. 
songs now out of our white chorus book and I love that old hymn may Jesus Christ be praised let's sing now how deep the father's love for us number five in the chorus book how deep the father's love for us <clears throat> how deep the father's love for us how vast beyond all his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to Christ is dead. 
and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my And number 12, before the throne of God above, number 12. <clears throat> before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there, who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the and lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, a great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased with his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. I bow before the cross of Christ and marvel at this love divine, God's perfect Son was sacrificed Make me righteous in God's eyes. This river's depths I cannot know, but I can glory in its flood. The Lord Most High has bowed down low and poured on me his glorious love, and poured on me his glorious love. 
Amen. Wonderful singing. Thank you. And please be seated this morning. Okay. Right now, Sam and Toby are going to come and play a song for us today. This is a familiar chorus that I think everybody probably knows called, As the Deer Panteth for the Water, right out of the Psalms. And they're going to play that on the instruments for us this morning. morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, I hope everybody had a good week. Lots to pack up at the house. 
when I first moved from Ohio to Illinois, I uh, was able to put everything in my car. And then when I moved from Illinois to Minnesota, I shipped like three boxes and was able to put everything else in my car. And then I got married and it all changed. When Carrie and I went from Minnesota to St. Louis, we had like a 13-foot truck. And we went from St. Louis to here, we had a 26-foot truck. And at this point, I think we're about to just start filling rail cars and send it by train. But uh, Second Timothy chapter 4. And uh, again, I hope everybody had a, had a great week. Verses 1 through 8. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word and for your gospel, which is the only way through which we find eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we want to continue to pray for Ron Yergler in Paxton as he is recovering, Lord. And Lord, we just want to continue to pray day by day, getting better and better. Lord, we also uh, pray for Mary Merkel and her continuing recovery as well. Lord, we lift both of them up to you. Lord, we pray for this church. We rejoice in the fellowship and community that we have. We pray for our time as we study your scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2007, actors Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson started a movie called The Bucket List, where they play two terminally ill cancer patients who create a list of things to do before they kick the bucket. The movie itself is pretty forgettable, but it introduced our society to the idea of a bucket list. There's the old saying, live each day like it's your last. If it were your last day, or if you knew that you didn't have much time left in this world, how would you spend your time? Perhaps you'd want to go somewhere you've never gone or do something you've never done. But for most of us, I think we would want to spend as much time as we could with the people who matter most to us, our families and friends. But I ask, with limited time, would part of that time be devoted to taking an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with others? For the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he was at the end of his life. He was imprisoned by the Romans. Soon after the completion of this letter to Timothy, Paul was executed. And it's clear from 2 Timothy that Paul was aware that he didn't have much time left. And in his final opportunity to reach out to his beloved student, Paul's focus is on encouraging Timothy to be faithful to his ministry and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul isn't wallowing in self-pity. His focus is on the work that must still be done. This text is about Timothy fulfilling the ministry that God has placed him in. 
And while Paul is addressing this letter to Timothy, it's really a message to everyone who is a follower of Jesus. Because we are all similarly called to minister and to share the gospel. The main idea of our passage this morning is that in spite of difficulties, fulfill your ministry. And in this section, Paul will make five points about ministry. And we'll look at those in five words. What, when, how, who, and why. First point, what. What we are doing. We are sharing the gospel. Let's look at the beginning of our passage in verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, beginning of verse 2, preach the word. Now, even though Paul says, I charge you, the point isn't I, Paul, of my own arbitrary whim, of my own volition, and telling you what I think you should do. Rather, it is under Paul's apostolic authority from God that this command is given. And we'll see in this passage that the specifics of this charge are universally true for all Christians. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Now, the word preach sounds so preachy. Our English word preach tends to have religious overtones because we usually think of it in the context of a pastor preaching a sermon. But the Greek word that we translate as preach really means more to announce or proclaim because Paul isn't just talking about sermons. The ultimate point is sharing the gospel. And no matter what ministry you're involved in, we are all called to be proclaimers of the gospel. No matter how old you are or how young you are, no matter how mature you are in your faith or how new you are to the faith, we are to share the gospel. No matter how gifted you are or how ungifted you might think you are, we are to preach the word, to share the truth. Now, our society likes to be hands-off. We've been trained to mind our own business. But faith isn't some insignificant thing. And we're not called to apathy about the spiritual well-being of those around us. We're called to have concern for people and to be opportunistic in sharing the message of a Savior who gives life. And so that's our first point. Paul says what we are to do, to preach the word, to share the gospel. We come to our second point. When. There are lots of things in life where timing matters. There are lots of things that we might put off, and maybe for good reason. But prioritizing evangelism should not be one of those things. Continuing in verse 2, Paul says, Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, when it's easy and when it's not. When it's convenient and when it's not. When times are good and when they're not. When we feel like it and when we don't. We have to be open to having conversations that can be difficult. Now, we are all equipped differently, wired differently, gifted differently, but we are all called to share the message of a loving God and of his son, the Lord Jesus, who died for us on the cross so that all who trust in him can find redemption and forgiveness. I'll use myself as an example. For me, I know that evangelism is an area where I still sometimes struggle. 
It's not the most natural thing for me to do. And I often pray, Lord, allow me to have conversations. Allow me to be a witness to people, to build relationships. And I think it's important to look for opportunities. Because I've noticed that the more that I pray for that, the more that I'm on the lookout for meeting people, the more of those conversations I seem to find myself having. It matters that we have a heart for people who don't know Jesus. We need to pray for, t- for times to know when to be bold and what to say. It's not that hard to find people who are struggling and who are spiritually lost. It's not that hard to find people who are looking for meaning and purpose. It's not that hard to find people who don't know the life that Jesus invites us to know. Just walk outside. Just look around. Just have conversations with people that get past small talk. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and you've never really done this, or you feel like you've never really figured it out. The point isn't to be ashamed that you've missed opportunities in the past, because the past is in the past. But the point is to go forward looking for ways to share. Relationships seem to so often be the ecosystem through which we are able to share the gospel. Not always, but most of the time. That we have to be relational to share the gospel. It's interesting. We love to help people. We love to give advice and pointers. Someone is considering a project on their house, we've got opinions. Someone's looking into having a medical procedure done, we're happy to share from our experience if we've had the same procedure done. Someone needs advice on how to garden, or a recipe, or what type of computer to buy, we're happy to take the time to talk to them. But when we live in a world that is lost, and desperate, and dead in sin, the one way that remedies that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we so often don't like to talk about it, Today is the day. We can't put it off. We can't make excuses. We can't wait until we've read a certain book or dealt with a certain issue or learned a few more things. It's too important. The devil likes to tell you, don't even bother because you're probably not even going to be very good at it. It's a lie. You don't have to have it all figured out to tell people about Jesus, what he's done in your life. D.T. Niles said, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Because as with anything, the more and more we put things off, the more the timing never seems quite right. Now is the time for spreading the gospel, in season and out of season. If that's not something that you're regularly praying for, let me encourage you to add that to your list. God, Please give me opportunities to share about my faith. Please give me the courage to speak into people's lives. I know it can be uncomfortable sometimes. And so did Paul. Again, he is in prison awaiting his execution when he's writing this letter. But we get to participate in sharing the message that brings life. And God allows us the opportunity to participate in his ministry in the world. And I think that should help having a conviction that it is Jesus and Jesus alone who is our salvation and redemption and that we are blessed with the opportunity to herald the message of the cross. That Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world who takes away the penalty of our sins. He lived the holy life that we could not 
And he died so that we could have life because he is life. That we are enabled to be forgiven of our sins and to be made right with God because Jesus is God. And we get to point people to that. We get to tell people who are dead in sin where to find life. To tell people who are begging where to find bread. We need to preach the word. Even when it's challenging. Even when it's uncomfortable. In spite of difficulties. Fulfill your ministry. And so we've covered the what and the when. Third point, how. How do we do this? Continuing in verse 2. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Reproving here is a reference to sound doctrine. In his ministry of preaching, Timothy was to teach truth and sound doctrine and to reject bad doctrine. It's important to be faithful in studying God's word and being thoughtful as we study doctrine. There's a ton of bad theology in our world. Way too much speculation with God's word over matters where the Lord has clearly spoken. People sometimes manipulate the Bible and make it say what they want it to say. But that's why we need to study God's word faithfully and thoroughly. We need to receive sound teaching and to be doing fellowship with people who are just as committed to the study of God's word. The point isn't to be self-righteous, but to treat God's word with care and reverence. Rebuking refers to moral actions here and appealing to people's conscience. But again, the point isn't to be judgmental. Because Paul also says that we are to exhort. We are to encourage and challenge people and point them to the holiness of God and the holiness that he calls us to. The text says, with complete patience and teaching. This is loving advice that Paul gives to Timothy. If you don't have patience in ministry, it won't survive because things don't happen instantly. People coming to faith doesn't happen instantly. And the transformation that happens in people's lives because of the gospel progresses throughout a believer's life, not all in an instant. People can be slow to come to faith. People can be slow to grow in faith. People can go two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes people can seem to go two steps forward, ten steps back. In the Gospels, when people are sincerely trying to live for God, Jesus is infinitely patient. We are to love people, to be there for people, to not give up on people. We might be witnesses and share and minister to a non-believer for years. And even then, there's no guarantee that they will ever respond in faith but we still have to be patient in those situations because it's not about a guarantee that we'll be successful. Rather, it's about being faithful to the will of God. In the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah, we see a man who was called by God to be a messenger for years. And for years, Jeremiah didn't see people coming to faith. And while the ultimate goal for us in sharing the gospel is obviously people responding to Jesus and having lives changed, when we don't see that, we can't give up. We have to be patient. By any worldly standard, Jeremiah would have looked like a failure. But we don't control the success of our ministry, nor do we control the growth of those to whom we minister and share the gospel. 
Because we can't cause the transformation of the human heart. The Holy Spirit does that. But we do control how faithful we are in serving God with the ministry that he has given us. In verse 5, Paul will go on to say, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul says to be sober-minded. Paul is telling Timothy to be level-headed, to not get too high or too low with the changing tides of ministry, but to walk in faith patiently trusting the Lord. In spite of difficulties, fulfill your ministry. We are to preach and share patiently. Never give up on people. Never lose hope that people can change. Never assume that people who are hostile to God can never come to faith. Because everyone was dead in sin before coming to know Jesus. It's because of the gospel that we can have hope that lives can be changed. And so we should continue to witness to people, to disciple people, to love people, and to pray for people. And so we've covered the what, the when, and the how. Now we look at the who. Part four, verse three. Three and four. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This verse really jumps off the page to me. And I think this is so applicable in the 21st century. Paul's basically saying, Timothy, people are going to want to hear what they want to hear. They're going to want to hear things which sound good regardless of if they're true. But we need to preach and share with people who haven't heard the truth. We live in a society where there are so many other views and where the gospel can be so watered down. It's interesting that some of the most evangelistically minded groups who say that they're Christian and who are the most active at getting their members out to talk about God are also some of the most heretical in their beliefs. Groups like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. We need to be active in society. The falsity in the world is something that needs to be overcome with truth. When Paul says, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Again, in the year 2023, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the prosperity gospel. Ideas about just love God and be good and good things will happen. That's an easy message to hear. That resonates with people. It treats God like he's Santa Claus in the sky. and He just wants you to be wealthy and have a Mercedes and everything you want. But God cares far more about our holiness than about spoiling us. He made us for infinite joy in him, not for joy in finite toys that won't last. There are secular views which appeal to people. I hear people saying things like, it doesn't really matter what you do or what you think, as long as you're basically a good person. I hear people undermine the gospel and say that all religions are basically just teaching the same thing. They're not. These ideas click with people, but this is why we need to be willing to come into people's lives and to share the gospel. Because that is precisely what the gospel message is not. The gospel matters. Faith matters. What you actually believe matters. And what Jesus did for you on the cross matters. And it's our responsibility to share that message.
And again, there are times where we fail to do this. But do we have a true desire in our hearts to make Jesus known? We can't assume that people know the gospel. I've heard people share testimonies over the years and talk about becoming Christians as an adult. And they'll say something like, I heard the message about how I was dead in my sin and that Christ took the penalty for, for my sins. And they talk about it as if they had never heard that before. Or perhaps a person has heard the gospel, but it's just something they've never truly believed in or something that's never really clicked. I feel like sometimes I'll watch TV and different commercials that are on. I feel like sometimes I'll watch the same commercial over time 15, 20, 25 times before it even really dawns on me what it's actually advertising. People might audibly hear the gospel, but that doesn't mean that it's taken root in their hearts, which is why we need to keep sharing. It's really easy in a country where two-thirds of the population say that they're Christian to just assume that everyone knows the gospel. And I'll go even one step further in a place like Sista Park, where it's even, I'm sure, higher than two-thirds of people would say that they're Christians. It's easy to just assume that everyone knows the gospel. But there are a lot of people in our society, in our community, who have never truly heard the message of what Jesus has done for them. I think people have heard elements of it. They might have heard that they sin, or they might have heard that Jesus loves them, but they might not have heard the entire message that we need to repent from our sins and accept the free gift of grace that Jesus offers. That you're a sinner to the core of your being. It's not that you sometimes sin, it's that you are a sinner. We are constantly making ourselves the gods of our own lives, worshiping other things like power and money and relationships. We are constantly putting our own desires ahead of God's will. We are constantly hiding from God and acting out our own selfish motivations. Even so many of the good things we do are really just being done to benefit ourselves. And there was nothing we could do on our own to fix the problem. But because of his grace and goodness, God made a way. The Son of God came into the world, the truest human being who has ever lived, and lived a life of perfection. He was the one who did not sin and did not deserve the penalty, but he was crucified and died for us. He died our death so that we could be raised to life. How do you feel about sharing that message? Once we truly understand the gospel, isn't it something that we should want others to believe? Fifth point, why? Why do we do this? Verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. We preach... We share the gospel because it's God's will and it is pleasing to God. We preach to people because the world needs the gospel. Paul is at the end of his life. He's imprisoned when he's writing this book and he knows his days are numbered. He doesn't have much time left, but with the time that he does have, 
his focus is on encouraging Timothy to keep fighting the good fight. And he's doing it out of love. He says he's being poured out like a drink offering. That's an Old Testament allusion to sacrifice. His life was about to be poured out. Paul makes sports analogies. I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. These are all in the, in the past tense. Because for Paul, he knows that he's at the end of his race. There's a sense of completion when he says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The crown of righteousness is about to be placed on him because his work is about to be finished. Yet the job is not yet done. And it's not just for Paul. It's for all of God's people. In spite of difficulties, fulfill your ministry. Why do we preach? Why do we share the gospel? Because it's worth it. Paul had given up everything for the gospel. His high social standing, he had been beaten, imprisoned, given up his possessions. Everything he had had been taken from him except for his life. And even that was about to be taken. But he says, in spite of all of that, that it was worth it. But now he's saying to Timothy, it's your time. You have to do your ministry. You have to keep running. And the torch has been passed on from generation to generation, and we carry it today. And may we all run well. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of what Christ has done for us. And Lord, in a world where there are so many competing false gospels, may we boldly share the truth. May we share it with confidence and love. May we point others to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor Josh. Let's take our hymn today. May God give us a heart for the true gospel. And let's stand and sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, in our own hearts and lives. 480 in the hymn book. If you need the hymnal, we'll sing the first three verses. 480, Have Thine Own Way. Whiter than snow, Lord, why? 
just now, as in thy presence, humbly I bow, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Then may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a good week.